I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Hello and welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we have a full turnout. Uh, Dale, Dave, Helena, um, a long way away, Helena and Cam. Um, I guess we're going to focus on the women's football today entirely because it is the, what, the Wednesday before the first game. Uh, where are we going to start with this? I guess the games in pre-season. Where there was actual football play. You can tell you've had a week off, Frosty. Jeez, that was rough. I know it was pretty, it was pretty bad even by my standards, which is saying something. I thought that it was a good effort. <laughs> I thought you tried yeah. really hard. Yeah. I found myself in Europe, and now I'm super nice and positive. <laughs> That's all right. You can stay there. <laughs> oh, and now you don't have to be I super nice and positive. I was on your side. <laughs> I know. I don't. I can't. I can't place myself when you're on my side. It just doesn't. Absolute work. collateral violence. I just. You respect it. Um, let's talk about the preseason games. There was a couple of games that unfortunately closed doors: uh, Newcastle and Central Coast. Some um, two good wins, apparently. I, I don't know how good, but a win is a win, right? Well, I mean, I think in the context of the Phoenix women, like very much a win is a win in preseason. Yeah. And the, the highlights we saw looked pretty decent. I mean, obviously the stuff the stuff that got released was pretty pretty low quality, wide angle shots, but it. It looked like decent football, um, yeah. And I think you know you look at you look at how we played the last few seasons. We had good patches, but we didn't really look like we were going to win many games, you know. So to go out in preseason and, and get a couple of wins is is very good right off the bat. And the football we have seen looks excellent. Well, what I I was kind of more impressed with was scoring three in one game. That's that's where we have pretty much lacked any kind of fire out, firepower up front. So. That was nice to see. Um, uh, who was it getting on the score sheet? Emma Main, Manaya Elliott, and Chloe Knott. So Emma, a bit of an unknown quantity, apart from to Dave, I think. Um, and me. I, I wasn't aware you were familiar. Played futsal against him. Yeah, no, I mean, she she's quality. But I, I don't know that you'd normally see her as the, the goal-scoring threat. I mean, she's the sort who'll chime in with a few, but she's she's a Crazy. very technically good player um, who, you know, you put her in the right spot, she'll, of course, finish it. But that's More not, of a ten that's not what she's there for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Manaya Elliott getting on the score sheet, I think that, to me, is possibly the most exciting part. Like, having watched her play for, I think she's at, I mean, she's Hamilton-based originally, but she played for Auckland United in the National League and was scoring for fun, scored hatfuls for the Junior Ferns. And so if she's going to be one that kind of does that Millie Clegg instantly looks at home, that's very exciting for the Phoenix because she's like tenacious, fast, aggressive, instinctual scorer. If if we've unearthed another one of those, that's super exciting for me. I think we might have unearthed more than one. Yeah. And this time they've got those visa players. I mean, I, I, I think we'll be looking at, come the end of the season, we'll be looking at perhaps three or four players where we are going, actually, there is quite a little gold mine of talented young women in New Zealand football, and we have just tapped a really good vein of that. Yeah, well, I mean, Macy Fraser? Macy Fraser, honestly, from what I've seen of her, she is a talent. She really oh. is 
an incredibly talented young woman. Well, it's like I said when we had temps on. She is part of the generation where a lot of them started coming through and she wasn't coming through. And very much she was a player that I was like, I wonder what Macy's doing, where Macy is, where her head's at about, about professional football because very much growing up, you could not watch Macy Fraser with a football and not think to yourself, she's special, she's something else. It's like I said, that little left foot fake shimmy strike with the right foot thing she does, I've seen it a thousand times, can't defend it. Like she is, she's got that thing that great players have where she just does what she wants to do. She makes the decisions she wants to make. So I'm very excited that the Phoenix have picked her up. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of those those characters that are kind of coming through that I've only seen little snippets of, but you know, you see the highlights and go, "Hang on, that's something." Um, it, it's that consistency. I think that it's going to be the interesting bit this year, just to see. Okay, we're now playing at slightly higher level, slightly uh, you know, slightly older, more experienced opposition. Who can make that step up? But at least it's that it's that hope. And it's that hope that'll get you. I think as well, as much as we're talking about the players we we have seen and, and how good they are, I think the most exciting prospect for me in some ways is the players we haven't seen yet. You know, we're scoring goals and we haven't even got our import forward on the field yet. Um, so there's there's something different going on in there. And I think, you know, it's it's a range of factors, you'd think that suggests there's a bit more belief in that side, that there's a bit more cohesion, and it might just be the nature of, you know, it's existed for a few more years. It's not just a brand new thing. But even without those imports really having the impact yet, we're still seeing a side that's turning out in preseason and beating some other sides, which we would have struggled to do previously. Just to bring it down a notch, I guess those two wins would be over teams who are probably towards the bottom end of the table, right? Yep, but would we have beaten bottom end tables in previous years? You know, we, I don't we know were if I, Well, yes, that. But two, I don't. I think that might be well. Newcastle, meh, they didn't recruit that well. They've had some big losses. Yada yada yada. But CCM, yes, they're a new club, but that is a strong roster. You know, I just I, I think it's premature to say that just because they're 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 an expansion club. Per se, they are going to be on the table because obviously you have the example of Western United who took the competition by storm because they assembled a good roster. So I, you know, then you like, I think, I think CCM, like they could be strong and they've got good players. So I, I take more from that result than I otherwise would. To be honest, I take more from both of these considering where we were last season and their ability, our inability to get a win last year wins in pre-season this year and performing the way that they have performed from the highlights that we've seen I think we we're possibly underplaying this we should be being a little even more positive about it to be honest what I also love is that temps is very much like uh this is a a paradox I often find myself in where we get stuck with women's football with being very content with mediocrity because we see that as being like positive because you don't want to criticize which I understand the impulse but it does start to um, annoy me a little bit because what I like from Temps is that he's like, cool, it's two wins in preseason, but we're not close to where I think this team should be, where we're going to be. He very openly said, we want to play good football. That's nice to watch. Like I like the, I like the ambition that I think exists because I think in the previous two years, and I, I very much understand it the first year when they had, what, five weeks, not even, to build a team out of the ether. I understand it that year, but 
last year I think we kind of what I wanted to see more ambition I wanted to see us stop talking about like oh we're going to be perennial wooden spooners ish you know the battle for second to bottom I like that there's more going on this year do you think he's under a little more pressure with that with that better recruitment now it, it certainly feels like that you know normally that first time coach and a first time pro job gets a little bit of a free pass for the most part but with the recruitment goes on, gone on, I th- I wonder whether he's getting a little more pressure from the club to like, okay, now we step the step the club up. You don't get I, a f- I, mate. I, I actually think it's where do you set your pass mark for the season? So obviously, if we sit if we're setting it as they don't finish bottom, that's what we were looking at last year. The step is above. If they finish mid table and just miss out on the playoffs, is that going to be a pass mark for the season? If they if they have to they have to get the the playoffs to make it a pass mark for the season. So whilst he may be under pressure, there's it's it's hard to tell what you what you would consider the the baseline. Does that make par. sense? Yeah, where's par for for the, like last season? We 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 can fuck that off. That's irrelevant now. Looking forward with the recruitment that he's got, if you're saying he's under pressure. He's got to make the playoffs to make it a make it a pass mark. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think there's other things in there that we need to look at as well. But uh, until I start figuring out where that par value is, I'm not really that keen to throw too much pressure on there. The expectation is obviously much higher this year, though. The expectation of where we believe that they can get to is much much higher. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really hard one because in. In this league, right, we know there's always going to be some teams who are not so good. But I think I think it's really hard that you kind of there is no mid table ambition, right? You know, you look at say the EPL or something, finishing mid table can be quite an ambitious goal and actually could be viewed as success. Finishing in, in any of the A leagues, whether it be the men or women, the the goal kind of has to be playoffs, or essentially you're saying wooden spoon would be fine, because cause finishing, you know, just out of the playoff spots is actually meaningless in a league that in rea- in reality is quite a short season. It's not got that many good sides in it. You know, if, if you're going in there and saying we have ambitions this season, that ambition surely has to be playoffs at a minimum, right? You can't, you can't have ambition in, in either a league season and it not be at least making the playoffs. You're at that point going, we're happy to finish last realistically. So I think, I think with the money they've spent, you've got to be, this season looking for more of that. Cause I'd say even last year, right with, and, and probably even season one, the ambition would have been, let's not finish last. Now, <laughs> whether or not you achieve these things is a different thing, but your ambition surely was that. Whereas now we've moved beyond that. And I think we are with the talk of him wanting to play, you know, good football and do good things. And the club clearly has thrown a bit more money and a bit more effort behind it. The ambition surely has to be playoffs. And I think, I think that's where you're setting your, your pass mark. And if the other teams, have grown even more than us and we miss out because of that that's one thing but if we miss out on playoffs because we don't play consistently good football then that's on us and that's that's how you've got to mark the season I would say I I mean I hate to be a stickler but it isn't isn't kind of finishing just in the playoff spots mid-table anyway I mean Basically, everywhere. oh, absolutely. That that's why you know Cam's talking though about how playoffs isn't necessarily the ambition. I think I think playoffs has to be because that's that's your mid-table mark as playoffs. True, actually, that's a point. Isn't sorry, they've increased the playoffs, haven't they, to six this season rather than four? Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah, then in that case, yeah, you're saying into the bottom of the playoffs would have to be your minimum pass mark. With that with game against Newcastle, we saw um, Kate Taylor and Grace Wisniewski score. Uh, 
So we're seeing a whole lot of goals spread out. I believe Kate's was the pen, a penalty, though? Yeah. Yes, it was, yes. I mean, as much as I, I love my centre-back uh, uh, sisterhood, going and stepping up on the on the penalty from a centre-back, I love it. Well, I, I is that where she's is that where she's going to be playing this season? Yeah, that's, that's probably true. my first question. Because she has I played. I think that we're going to see some reshuffling, especially with Wiz. And in fact, the two players that you mentioned with Wiz and with Kate Taylor. You think she's going to be playing six this year? And I think she should actually. Yeah, they certainly were looking at that last year, and um, even she was the... effective there. She was, she was. I, I still see her as a bit of a centre-back, but then again, we've seen conversions like that before. Um, They're very close positions. Like, that, they are very conceptually close. But I also think that Kate Taylor, even as a centre-back, had a tendency to play a bit like a CDM. I think that that instinct has been there. And I think maybe the last two years, it wasn't the right move because of the re- the balance of the roster. But this year, because you have people like Flea in that midfield, like the Phoenix have recruited an incredible, like I think the strongest area of the park for them is arguably the midfield, in fact. Like they've got Flea, they've got a lot of players that can play there. Emma Main is a very strong 10. Chloe Alyssa Knott Winham. is a work. Yeah, I mean, Alyssa Winham, you've got Chloe Knott, who's a real workhorse, very yeah. clever player. Hope so you reason. have like a very nice, a very nicely balanced midfield of a lot of creative cerebral players having someone who can, with that centre-back history that can anchor it and be physical and solid and screen well, I, I think that that's just kind of perfectly set up for that move this season. And then that frees Grace Wisniewski to go be what she was in the 17s when they came third in the world, a goal-scoring forward. It's kind of funny to me that we've almost forgotten that. Yeah, that, that's valid. Um, I think, it, that one. I mean, it was for me, it was um, Vandermeer that stepped in last year and you know, basically showed that she's a she can be a first choice centre back. I think that that freed up um, Kate Taylor moving forward because then you could have Mackenzie Barry and Vandermeer yeah. holding that centre, and then just Taylor in front. Um, the fullbacks are still kind of interesting to me. Uh, obviously, you've got uh, Rob, uh, Robertson out um, on one side. How do we? How do we? Um, what's the solution for the other side? Well, Haley Davidson. I mean, they. I think you know. I think she was basically recruited to balance Michaela Foster. Yep, it's a very ambitious uh, pair of fullbacks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be some very attacking, attacking football by the sounds of it. Because um, my understanding was that um, the Americans are more of a attacking wingback almost. But that's yes, as as is Foster, which is more actually more support for the Kate Taylor as a CDM theory because if you have very advanced fullbacks, you want a CDM that can drop and slot and give you an instant back three. Yeah. Which is more of an argument to have kind of fullback style centre backs like Vandermeer and Barry who are quick across the ground and can cover the can cover the space. So I mean personally that's my favourite system. Like you start with a back four, it very quickly morphs into a back three. Yep. I really enjoy watching that. And I think that might be what Temps is setting up. Yeah, I uh, I, I must admit I have a certain uh, taste for that that style of football. Being a former fullback in my younger days, and in my older days, still a fullback, but it just hurts more. Um, let's uh, move on to the actual uh, football. So we have the on Sunday, three pm, Sky Stadium, playing Melbourne City, a big hit out. 
right at the beginning. Um, let's talk um, the tie-in with the Women's World Cup first. Do we think that there's still that connection there with the, the audience, with the crowds, with the turnout? Because this is obviously their, their big game kicking off the league in New Zealand in the big stadium. I mean, to be brutally honest, no. I, I, you know, around Wellington, I don't think anyone knows this game's on. I think I think there's even people who bought season memberships who potentially aren't aware there's a game coming up. Um, but, you know, that doesn't that doesn't mean we won't have a good crowd. But I do think any kind of shine from the Women's World Cup has probably burnt off a bit by now. You might have sold some extra memberships from it in terms of people were aware when those got released. But by now, I think I think you're hoping you're going to get a decent crowd, but that crowd isn't going to be anything like what we saw in the Women's World Cup. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think I think probably there's maybe a bit of disconnect on on the levels of football. You know, like I think if, if we had signed a player who had played at the World Cup, then maybe there's a bit more of a, a marketing angle you can kind of play there. But, um, you know, for most part, you know, most of those players in our squad were Fringe Point of firm. order, we signed Flea. Wow, yeah, I was getting to that. But I mean, she, you know, she, I mean, there's quite a bit of difference for, you know, you signing a, you know, an overseas player who was in some. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it was interesting to hear Domi kind of talk about how they did look at that a little, you know, it sounded like there was some contact between the Phoenix and some of those players who were based at um, NZCIS and stuff around exploring that, obviously. It didn't pan out, but it clearly is something the Phoenix agreed with to some extent that that tie-in would be nice, that, that that connection of players having come out here and experienced it might have been a selling point for those players to come and play for us, and it would have been a nice tie-in for the World Cup. Well, I mean, to an extent, I do think that, like, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but we saw it with the World Cup that New Zealanders aren't very good at doing, like, getting involved with stuff before it actually happens. So I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that um, the connection between the World Cup and the Phoenix can be rekindled, so to speak, to continue the pun, can be rekindled when the season actually kicks off and when you kind of have something to point at. Because we may not have signed, for example, someone from like Banyana Banyana or, or a Swedish player was based at CIS, but we do have players who were at the World Cup. Yeah. So who were involved in that moment even. Yeah. Um, that first game moment. Like I think that people's memories aren't so short that that's not there to be picked up on. And I think also the story is different across the Tasman, you know, are we going to see world cup numbers through the gate? Well, like, obviously not. I don't think that that was ever the expectation. Like I think if we're being realistic, if that was the expectation, that was stupid, but we have seen several clubs, Sydney FC, Melbourne victory. I think, there's another who have exceeded already their their membership sales like broken their records already and that's definitely a world cup bump so maybe one bump that perhaps might not be so obvious um is like the there's number of younger kids who get their parents to take them along um you know, mm. you know they don't it doesn't get really captured on like you know twitter or facebook engagements um and you know i think as you saw from some of the world cup games lots of kind of kids staying up quite late to go to some games and whether they understand it on and then start, you know, nagging their mum or dad to take them along and then a couple of friends and, and that's where you kind of get, you know, start suddenly getting groups of six or seven to along to a game that perhaps you didn't realise was was likely. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think I think that's where the the bump will come. I, I like I said at the start, you know, being harsh, the answer is no. But I think in terms of that kind of legacy piece, I think the answer can still be yes. And I think it's kind of it's kind of what Helena's talking about there. Of you know, it can be rekindled, but also if if we manage to rekindle in the right ways, it'll be a long term thing as well because you will see pick up in players, for example, you know, those young those young kids who had you know role models out of that World Cup and picked up playing. If they stick with it, you know, you might see them, you might see them burn off. But if we can keep them in the game through whatever means that is, whether it be the Phoenix woman having a great season and making playoffs and winning the damn league, or if it's just really good engagements through community staff and all that stuff can keep that bump coming. And, and I think that's where the thing is. I think that initial kind of World Cup sheen might be off, but it doesn't mean a World Cup legacy can't still happen from here. But it's built in a different way and it's not just ride the wave like. And I'm not saying Australia are just riding a wave, but it, for us, it's going to be harder work. We're going to have to work at it rather than just being dragged along by it a little to some extent. Yeah, I, I want to pick up something you were talking about there, Dave, with the uh, participation as a as young players. Um, it's something that I it really bugged the shit out of me um, with the fan tales thing. Uh, there was a couple of girls uh, played one in uh, my son's team and another one who's um, a mate of a uh, friend, uh, sorry, a daughter of a friend. Um, it, it was so poorly organized. You had this bump of the these girls who were wanting to play and it was just so badly organized. If you just dovetailed those two in, you know, to, to at least keep the, those players who were interested in playing, you know, that, oh, there's also the, the football coming along. I think you might have got a lot more of that, you know, kids bringing their parents along uh, to the games. But I, I question whether the momentum's been lost without the connection there. I just don't think it is just going to be the first game. I think that underestimates the power of narrative in sport. I mean, I hate to do this, but just look at the Warriors, you know, up the Waz. Like, all that really, like, one, league in New Zealand, niche sport. It is essentially just Auckland. Two, 20 years of being terrible. All it took was literally nine, ten weeks of them being actually kind of awesome and making the playoffs for that bandwagon to sweep the nation to the point that up the wires was the last thing said in the parliament term. I just think that there is an extent, and like, yes, they're men, but I just do think there's an extent to which Kiwis just love a bit of narrative. And I, I do, I just do think that it really, it's also connected. Like if NZF get on the bandwagon and start putting things together the right way, if we start like getting up talent pathways, right. So that girls actually feel like they've got a chance to make the Phoenix, make the ferns. They don't feel like it's political that they're stuck in Timaru and they've got no pathway. And three, if we get the results on the pitch, like I think I still, I do think that people aren't so short term thinking that they'll forget that the world cup was here and what we saw like i just i just think it's there to i i guess the i guess the question though is do we think that bandwagon could have been created in that same way without the world cup and i would say to some extent yes i think the world cup helps mm. for sure it makes it easy to rekindle but i do think same as the warriors right the, the women's phoenix could have been here for 20 years and one good season eight or nine weeks of playing fantastic football 
even without a World Cup, could have ignited that spark. The good thing we have here is that there is a little bit of embers still burning there. It should be easier to spark. And I think I think this weekend, you know, you're playing a team that essentially are the league favourites, you know, week in, week out, generally speaking, and we're up against them first. If we have a really good result here, even if that's not a win, if we go out there and push them hard and look like we're contenders for the season, that might be enough to spark the interest back again, right? Um, so in some ways, it's it's a blessing that we're up against City because I think from the from the look at from the look of preseason we're going to be decent we should be competitive and if it goes well it could be the spark that they need to get a lot of people behind them um, but I do I do think the World Cup helps but I do also think in a vacuum you can create that you know up the wires effect anyway right so we are relying on a range of factors and I think as always with Phoenix and crowd numbers the biggest one is going to be on field performance if we go out there and get done 20 nil this weekend doesn't matter you know doesn't matter and that's always been the case with the Phoenix you know you're on a great playoff run and you lose the one critical game and the home crowd's gone for the next week it's just it's just how it is and the only way to solve that is winning games 20 nil from your podcast in God's ears yep it's not going to happen though it's fine maybe we'll (laughs) win 20 nil I've said that too so both options are in the universe well, yeah, putting it out there. If you could um, please put it out there that the um, skipper for in- the uh, Wahenix doesn't go down injured. That'd be nice too, Dave. Um, mm. We've just seen Annalie Longo. Uh, Flea has gone and picked up a bit of a niggle. Uh, she's calling it precautionary, but the curse of the captaincy armband seems to be strong in, in this team, unfortunately. Um, she doesn't have a, a great storied history with the Knicks, does she? It's... Uh, She's 0 for 2 at the moment. Um, we'll see if she gets out there on Sunday. I mean, to be fair, it looks like it's a quad or, or a groin and those things are niggly. Like if someone, you know, I always think that when someone's holding their calf or their knee and they call it precautionary, you're like, mm, nah, it feels like a lie. But I'm hopeful that she's, you know, what she says is like rings true that they've played two preseason games. They had to travel for them. She's a little bit older. She's still very recent off an ACL recovery, like, Fingers crossed it is really just being careful in bubble wrap. But like yeah. I said, they've got a strong midfield even without her, actually. Yeah, but you still want your, your skipper out there. It was pretty well, tough obviously. going last season. Um, the other player under a bit of an injury cloud is Mariana Speckmeyer. She's uh, at the um, striker of Venezuelan International. She's managed to pick up a groin injury, food poisoning, and an infected insect bite. Damn, I mean, that's just, that is some shit luck. Yeah, that is rough. It's not a Venn diagram I thought a footballer would ever sit in the middle of. Mm. Like The infected the, insect bite really puts yeah, it at the top for me. Exactly. It's like, how? Uh, most maybe New Zealand Australian. insects can't get through you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. She's just returned from international duty, so she may have picked up and they literally may have picked it up in Venezuela. It's hardly the weirdest A League injury we've ever seen, though. I mean, it was it was it Matt Simon who was out for like four weeks because he cut himself on a seashell at the beach. Yes. You know, like there's definitely there's definitely some weird stuff. I mean, A League things is you know, it, it just is what it is. We we will never reach peak A League. She hasn't even played yet, and she's already on that lofty noble ascent towards peak A League. If I'm honest, if I was a seashell, I, I would cut Matt Simon too. 
Don't limit yourself to just being a seashell and doing that. Yeah. You, you ruined the joke, Dave. If oh. I was a spear, I would <laughs> make an attempt. <laughs> I would club him to death, yes. As long as, long as she's not selling the seashells. Oh, Dale. Uh... Some dad work there. Great dad work. It's all that extra uh, brain power you've got now that uh, Zed's off to, to school, away. Eh? Oh, I thought it was because I ticked over 40, but maybe not. No, that doesn't help, trust me. Um, so uh, the game, Sunday, 3pm, Sky Stadium. Uh, let's talk actual what we want to see from them. We've talked, uh, Helena's talked about the, the positive football. Dave's talked about the a good effort. What else? Well, you know. I hate that that's what my, my contribution's been paraphrased as. I I feel like I never use those words. Yeah. Oh, God. That's what you were that's what you were pretty much saying, Dave. I hope they try hard. I, I I'm afraid to listen back to my words if that's the point that you took from it. Moving right along. Okay. Well let's move right along and let's just uh, what else do we want to see from them? Uh, you know, are we talking positive attacking player? We want to see solidity at the back. I mean obviously we want to see all of those things, but what's your kind of number one? Starts the W ends with N. Yeah, and I, I want to hear from from Elena on what we expect to see from City because I I honestly don't know the City team this year, and I suspect she probably can give us a better rundown of uh, what they're going to be like and maybe what we can expect. Well, that's great because my rundown of what we can expect is I'm not sure. So City, obviously, I think as someone I can't remember who contemplated moments ago are kind of perennial contenders they're probably in the big three of teams that you're always looking at so sydney fc victory city melbourne city they've got the buying power of city football group so they tend to recruit well you know this is a story that doesn't need recounting that said relative to other teams in the league which has been a bit of a player merry-go-round They've had a fairly stable off-season. So probably their, their big signings, they've got Rebecca Stott back from Brighton. That's obviously huge. Um, they've recruited, I think this one's going to fly under the radar a bit, but they've recruited an American who I used to watch at the college level at the University of North Carolina, which for those of you who are, are initiated in NCAA football is the dynasty of women's college football. Her name is Taylor Otto. She's signed a one-year deal. She is like... This is normally a bad label, but she's a true utility player. She can kind of be very effective anywhere. She, I think, is quite an exciting signing. But then other than that, you know, they've signed a goalkeeper, which their kind of starting goalkeeper is Melissa Barbieri. She's a lot older, so I don't know what's going to happen there. They've signed a Canadian import goalkeeper, so that's interesting. Um, they've yanked a couple of people from other clubs like Glory who's or Canberra who've spent some time in Europe, nothing to write home about. And then they've had some big they've had some big outs. So Emma Checker, their captain, went across town to victory. I think it's possibly the most brutal transfer that could be contemplated for a club. Your captain goes and joins your cross town rivals. Um so that's huge. They've lost a couple of forwards, so Maria Rojas, who was much more effective than her playing time ever reflected. Um, she's gone to Canberra. A young, a youngish player who, like City, kind of took credit for like unearthing Tori Tumith. She has gone to Sydney, so they've kind of had some brutal losses. Actually, people have gone to their big rivals. Mm. 
Um, you mentioned brutal losses. Their their last five results have not been flash. Uh, obviously, well, I, this is why I say this. I I then I don't you you'd have to be an idiot to count out a city group football club in a league like a league women, mm. just because of. I mean, they've still got quality across the board. You know, they've still got Holly McNamara, who's like, if she's fully fit from that ACL tier, she's a weapon and she's going to really test this new attacking fullback thing that the Phoenix have got going on. Like, how do you keep a lid on her whilst advancing your fullbacks? But other than that, like I say, I I really don't know what we're going to get from them. Because, for example, we know that Hannah Wilkinson is not exactly a put-your-house-on-her-scoring striker. No, that is one way of putting it. I think that that's probably kind, to be quite honest. Yes, I'm in my new era. So what you're saying is that uh, the Vitasiches are still there, aren't they? And they've scared a whole lot of players away. I think we've seen this happen somewhere before. <laughs> that's very, very un-Cam-like of you, Cam. I'm here for that. Normally, normally you're in the background baiting one of us to say such things. Well, what I will say is that, as I've mentioned, they have City Football Group buying power. This is the team that has been the team in the league that has recruited big names. They have not. They have not done so. So what you're saying is that Dario's rolling around in the background apologizing to people for his dad again. Well, and, and I guess... I'm not saying anything. No, I guess, I guess what I guess what you're saying though is facing them first up's not a bad prospect, right? Because they, hit. yeah, they might they might not yet be gelling the way they could. They've had some big losses from some some big positions that might not have kind of gelled the rest of the squad to fill those holes yet, you know. And it's not like they've brought in a whole new squad of big names to to fix those problems, you know. There there are some cracks that might need papering over, and this this might be a good time to catch them. Whereas I would say conversely. We're probably riding high on a couple of wins, a good preseason. We're probably outperforming what you know people might have expected from that squad. I think obviously we're ambitious and we will want more out of that. But I would say we're probably going in more positive than we ever had to a season. And you know they might well be massive expectation on their shoulders and and not yet able to live up to that. So facing them first round up is good. Yeah, it's a pretty, in my opinion, I mean, it's actually quite an ideal first fixture for several reasons. One, I mean, as I've said, they're never going to be able to shake the fact that they're a city football group team. So they're always going to be favourites. It just doesn't matter what form they're in. You know, if they're in bad form, then that's just them failing. You know, there's never, that's the reality that they live with. Whereas for us, like, we're kind of always going to be able to keep that battle of tag, no matter how good we are, because we're based in another country. We're a small club, blah, blah, blah. So that's ideal. But also, I think that whatever they turn up with, whatever starting 11 they put on that field, is likely to show us quite a lot about the Knicks. Like, I think there'll be a lot that we can take from this game that's actually meaningful. Because as I've said, even if she doesn't have much around her, Holly McNamara will school and humiliate the best fullbacks in the world with minimal effort. So if we really are going to be committed to a system of advancing our fullbacks, this is going to show us if it's going to work or not. It's going to show us if we are able to slot into a back three to cover, et cetera. It's, it's, it's going to tell us a lot that's that's useful about that. It's going to tell us a lot that's useful about our midfield because I think City's weakest spot now is their midfield. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head who's going to start there. I think, I mean, Caitlin Torpy, she's probably ironed on. But other than that, I don't know. So I think as a matchup, it's going to be very useful. And it's also probably, like I say, it's a free hit. 
even though it's the best kind of free hit. It's a free hit against the bowler that is bowling half volleys. Like, that's what the Phoenix have found themselves with. So for me, like I said before, what do I want to see from the Phoenix? Starts with W, ends with N. Like, I'm no longer in this, or let's compete, let's, let's get a draw. I think they should be winning this game. Well, I appreciate the uh, cricket reference uh, during uh, the World Cup. Um, we'll have to bring it back to football anyway. Uh, the fixtures we've got uh, on the Saturday night are CCM against Newcastle, uh, the Sydney Derby um, also on Saturday, Perth Glory against Western United, the Knicks against Melbourne City, Adelaide versus Canberra, and the Victory versus Brisbane Raw. Slapping them all on Saturday, Sunday to get the um, the A-Leagues plural underway. I'm quite liking that. It's nice to see the um, the APL kind of get on the bandwagon and realise, okay, let's push women's football and see what we can do with it. I, I think that that's probably a little, you know, if we, in the context of if the shine has come off the Women's World Cup to still go out and front, front the woman up first, I'm quite appreciating that. I, I think so too. And I think, I think as, um, as already was hinted at, the shine's not off in Australia. And we, if it, if it keeps going well there, if they keep getting big crowds, you know, most of our media, to be honest, comes out of Australia anyway these days. You know, we're, we're piggybacking off their news on pretty much everything. So I think interest over there can still drive interest here, um, particularly if we're playing well. Yep. It already did with the, the, the what are they called? The Tillies. Like, Please don't. Could, work... could you say that with more sass, please? <laughs> but people I work with were like diehard Tilly's fans towards the end of the World Cup and like singing Strawberry Kisses or whatever. Like, sorry, I'm trying to take some layers of disdain out of my voice. This but... is New Zealanders you're talking about? No, they can't yeah. be. They're not real New Zealanders. Well, that's my position. But... It, was, it was everybody except for Australia. So whoever they were playing, I was cheering for the opposition. Yeah, I every kind of got cancelled for supporting the Lionesses against the Matildas, but anyway. Um, but like I say, like, I think the reflected glory is has already happened and can happen again. You know, like if I think actually if people in Wellington see like massive crowds at, yep. at a, God forbid, a Canberra United game or whatever, mm. then that I will start. Agree. There's not massive numbers of people in Canberra. No, and it's Canberra, so why would you go there? But oh my god, yes, better things are possible. Oh. Maybe not for Canberra, but in general. No, I, I, I fully, I, I like the Canberra club and that they've worked really hard to to push the women's game. But Jesus, Canberra is a dog shit town. Well, they've recruited so well, considering part of their recruitment policy is come live in Canberra. <laughs> uh, like I, every time I see a Canberra signing. Especially if it's someone they picked up from Sydney or Melbourne, I'm like, wow, you convinced someone who's been living in the northern beaches of Sydney with Sydney FC to come move to Canberra. And there, there's something going on at that club. They've got something special because if you can do that, I think you can do anything. I think you're underestimating the amount of political intrigue that goes on in Canberra. I think someone's. Uh, what, in their basically... parliament under the ground? No, I'm thinking that they've they've managed to get photos of someone and it's just blackmail. It's the only possible reason for Canberra. Come live in a 19 degree summer surrounded by 16 civil servants and their children. You're basically describing Wellington, so you know. 
I think it, no, Wellington has a has a I don't know a bucket fountain and an above ground parliament. Real? Why? Why? I don't want grass on top of my parliament. I feel very strongly about this. Yeah, I mean, as much as we we get a lot of grief about trying to recruit to Wellington, and it's like if you've ever been to Canberra, you'll know what a mission that is. Well, I think the Americans are loving it by the looks of their Instagram. But of course, they've had all these good days, so to speak. So we'll see what happens when when Wellington turns up. Oh, they may well change when they get into an Australian summer and there's no shelter and the the wet bulb test has exploded. Um, but <laughs> it's forty six oh, degrees on the playing surface. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's uh, move along to a slightly adjacent topic. There has been some other uh, news on the women's, but also men's front. Uh, a new club has been almost formally announced in Auckland. Uh, the I, I think it was the APL has confirmed that uh, the billionaire uh, American Bill Foley, who owns the Las Vegas Knights uh, NHL side, owns Bournemouth. And what else does he own? A whole bunch of stuff. He owns a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um, he has basically been outed as the person who is uh, behind the bid in Auckland. And by the sounds of it, it's some rubber stamping that's going to happen uh, for the 2024-25 season. So just over a year's time. Um, what are our feelings on this? That it, One, it's Bill Foley with his history and reputation uh dale you were quick with that hand i mean they absolutely have to go with auckland knights down there as a name it's gotta be doesn't it take, like, what else can take they go with? that back they have to re, 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 uh, resurrect it yep retract e- e- emblem and all from your podcast to god's ears 100 percent, man. And, and set them up and play on north shore uh at, uh, at qbe i think that's uh, that's the that's the recipe for success you're all disrespecting my hometown. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, as our resident Aucklander, um, how do you feel about this? Very conflicted. Like, it, it, I, I think for a lot of Auckland football people, it will be quite hard because since I was nine years old, I have supported slash endured the Phoenix and invested a lot of pain. Yes, so it's quite weird to think that there'll be a club that quite possibly has kind of disproportionate financial resources as well, who could kind of like just slightly do what they want in the market, which I, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I am very excited. Like, I, I think we need to be realistic about this. Auckland is New Zealand's biggest city. There's a lot of young footballers here. It will be massive for them to have a team in their city. Like, I don't... I. You know, Wellington, Auckland rivalry aside, I don't think that we can ignore that. But it is quite a strange feeling. Do you think that um, uh, the owner being American plays into your feelings at all there? Most bit like the breakers, right? I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know a huge amount about this purported owner, but I think it is a little bit, partly that is a little bit, like that and also knowing the resources that's going to bring into the league and kind of where that sits relatively speaking with what the Phoenix have available with what other smaller clubs have available for example I think any footballer who is disquieted in general by the disparity between resources and football between clubs 
that's going to play into it. But like I say, it's complex because I do think Auckland has missed a professional football side. You know, it isn't like it's nice that the Phoenix come play some games up here, but it would be really nice to have a team week in, week out that is from our city. Like, I know everyone hates Auckland, but Auckland is like it. <laughs> it's it's going to be really intriguing how um, the Auckland football community embrace it or do not embrace it. Like, I, I haven't got a sense in the last month where it's kind of starting to become a bit more clear that it's happening, that there hasn't been any um, swell of overwhelming joy from Aucklanders that there's a club. Like, I don't get the same kind of... It's just too diffuse. Yeah, I mean, like, even I struggle when it's just an owner and a buying group or whatever else and a company being created. Even I, someone who's legally trained, struggle to feel much about that before there's, like, kind of a brand identity or a club identity. You know, I think, I think when that kind of stuff happens, people who aren't, like super niche football Twitter nerds might get on the bandwagon. How dare you? Why I include myself. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out because obviously we've seen the kind of Auckland professional football experiment hasn't worked before. We've seen how you can fail at it. But the money is not going to be a problem for Foley. Like it just it just isn't. He he couldn't give two shits about the money. So realistically, he can bankroll this for the next hundred years on crowds that the Knights were getting. And that would be fine. Whether or not he wants to do that is a different question, but he absolutely could, and it wouldn't matter in terms of the money. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out differently this time. Cause previously we've had backers who, you know, it did need to work financially and the Phoenix is still in that boat, right? You know, every, every second season we've got Rob saying, unless people show up, the club needs to fold. Cause it's not, you know, it's not sustainable and all of that stuff. And he's, and he's not wrong. You know, it's, it's a fair cop, but I don't think you're going to see that from Foley. You know, this, this is just chump change to him. And it's, it's, um, you know, football club vanity projects across the world. But one thing I want to note and bring the tone down a huge amount is that I think at its core, we need to recognize that this is a crosstown Martinborough rivalry. And that's really what this is. I like to think that that Rob's Palliser Estate Holdings in Martinborough and Foley Wines, which are just up the road, they've bumped into each other one night out and this is a football club pissing contest that's bred out of some drunken stumbling in martinborough one night and it's i love that i love that I this is the martinborough derby and there's nothing else to it and i, I won't didn't any know other name that rob owned palliser oh, you know. here's, here's the largest shareholder of palliser and foley wines is obviously foley so you got the boys yep they're going at it they're buying their football clubs and they're doing it on the football field Every day is a school day. Do you, do you think Rob got pissed one night and accidentally like vomited on like the driveway or the sign outside and said, what are you fucking going to do about it? Polly said, well, I'm going to destroy you. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, these sorts of stories that go down in history, you know, it just forms the truth. I do I do think to, to bring it back slightly, the question I've seen asked previously, and I, I think it's a fair one, is if if Foley's been interested in buying into a professional club in New Zealand, why were the Phoenix not able to talk to him? And I think that that time with them both owning Martimura Vineyards makes you ask the question even more of how how has this conversation not come up? But I think the answer to the question is simple. The prospect's very different buying into a market with two teams than it is buying into a market with one. And I think that's the simple answer. But again, I really am not trying to dunk on Wellington here. 
but Auckland is just so. That's all right. You've got larger. a mute button. No, but like it, it really, Auckland is a massively larger market. Like, and yes, money is not an object to him, but I think you still, if your choices are a quite small city or country's biggest city, I, I do think Auckland has something to say about it. And also, on this night's kings, all of this stuff, like, oh, it's failed before, it's going to fail again. What happened in the meantime? Oh, I don't know that all whites uh, qualified for the 2010 World Cup. Like, we are in a different. Oh, and I, I, I said I think it is different. Country. I think it's very different this time around. I think I think the crowds and the connection to the football community is going to be just as tough. I think that is still going to be a slog. You know, you guys have issues with transport and stadiums, and and it is a very disparate community of, of football fans up there that I, I think the rivalries in many ways are stronger there at a club level than they are in Wellington. I mean, obviously there's some strong club rivalries in Wellington, but I think – Auckland that's only more true so that the challenge yeah. is still there but I think this time around the difference is that it doesn't need to be a success in terms of crowd numbers for that to matter they can keep throwing this out for years on the smell of an oily rag in terms of ticket sales um, more than enough money coming elsewhere it's going to be interesting on the whole stadium thing for Auckland about you know this kind of latent debate we have about the waterfront stadium because Mount Smart nightmare to get to unless you live in Onihunga um QBE is Dante's Inferno, so count that out. And then you've got, you know, Trust, which is probably a good size. South West Auckland, also difficult from a transport perspective. So I think it is possibly when you have this capital coming in, it is going to be an interesting addition to the conversation about stadiums in Auckland as well. So, I mean, it could be quite transformative for sport in Auckland in general because football is our biggest code, actually. And if it gets the crowds, it should. It should be at Eden Park every week. Like it should be that simple. You shouldn't be talking about those other stadiums because re- realistically, on participation and the size of Auckland, Eden Park should be a reasonable sized stadium for a football crowd. But that's not New Zealand. Helen Clark is going to abseil down from the ceiling and get very angry about it. Yeah, but I mean, Eden Park is not exactly. Yeah, Eden Park is is not what a waterfront stadium would be. You know, Eden Park's not simple either. I'll end up at Kiwitia with the crowd sizes we're expecting. Speak of Kiwatia <laughs> with more respect, please. I'll just repeat what I said when they first announced that Auckland was the preferred location. It's, it's fuck them and everything they stand for. Okay. Well said, Dale. <laughs> Helena, we do expect you to continue to support the Phoenix and not jump ship. We'll be very disappointed. With I, I heard a resignation from the podcast earlier. As soon as the club's announced, she's out of here. No. Like I said, I didn't invest, how many years is it? Like 14 <laughs> years of pain and suffering watching Terry Sarah Pizos standing with a freaking Phoenix scarf on the wall. I didn't suffer through all of that. Glory hunters do as glory hunters do. That's that's a point though. Like they're coming into a market where the, like, yes, admittedly it's not a local team, but there are a good number of Auckland fans of the Wellington Phoenix living in Auckland. So he's, is that going to drive a little issue for crowd numbers as well? well? No, I don't think New Zealanders are that purist. I think people probably just continue to support both. And when they play each other, they'll support their hometown. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to make a difference. We've seen this happen in, in Sydney and Melbourne as well. Sprout up a new team and people either buy into it like the Wanderers or they don't, like Western United. I don't think it's really. To be fair, like, I think if you're from Western Sydney, having the opportunity to stop supporting the rich bastards from Sydney FC would be probably quite. 
Um, yes, nice. there is a um, there is uh, certain feelings towards other the other side of the city. Um, yeah, and I, I think the same will be true with the Phoenix. To be honest, I think there'll be enough people who love football in in New Zealand who have issues with the Phoenix have have you know lost the faith um, to steal a, a Warriors phrase again. But um, you know, and and we'll be looking, going, you know what? I've supported them for ten years, and I'm over it. I'm ready to jump ship. You know, there are there are reasons I don't support that club anymore, and they are X Y Z, whatever perceived slight they've got, and we'll be very ready to jump onto a new bandwagon from day one. And, and fair play. Um, I'm going to say something so heretical right now that I'm, this is going to get me cancelled on football Twitter, but I actually don't see why it's not possible to just kind of passively support two teams from New Zealand. And then pick a side when they play each other. No, 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 that's not. Oh, okay. I mean, no, not okay, not okay. I, I All right, well, it's been real. Where she's coming from? Like, honestly, like, if you're a casual supporter, and not not in the term that people use, you know, football casuals, but as a an actual mm. casual supporter, I I think that's probably a fair place for some people to land. And Which is what we want. Which yeah, what we want. It's, it's about growing the game as a whole, right? I'm not saying I could be that person, but I think there's a valid market for those people. And it's a, it's a phrase I think Frosty used earlier in, um, in a Slack chat we were having about, you know, the high tide raising all boats. And that's what we're looking for here is, is mm. it to bring everything up. It's going to, it's going to be an interesting transition, but we do need that tide to rise in, on football. Like for me as a football person, I can't just sever ties with a club I've supported since I was a little girl because there's too much history, there's too much pain, blah, blah, blah. But for people who aren't like obsessive football people, then it's actually good if they want to support two teams kind of passively and go to some Phoenix games and go to some Auckland whatever games. Like good, good, especially with the women's sides. Auckland Knights, mate. Auckland Knights. (laughs) It's going to be something like Volcano water related Helena's podcast supporting both teams is going to be called Fever Nights you register that <laughs> trademark now nice. um, I've got no I've got no issue with people supporting two teams I struggle with supporting two teams in the same league that's just like okay, well, I support Liverpool I support Barcelona like I don't they barely really, very rarely ever play each other so like that's fine but when you support like two teams playing in the same competition that just feels uh, it's trans tasman it's like i don't really like the hurricanes but when it's the hurricanes versus the brumbies oh, yeah, I'll you that. it's 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 new zealand and anyone playing australia right so when the auckland team is playing an australian i will i will lend support but i will not be a fan of theirs does that make sense so you've reached you okay you've reached the same conclusion that i began with I don't think Cam's reached any conclusions. Cam's joining you on Fever Nights. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just getting cancelled. It's fine. <laughs> Please. They cannot be called the Knights. I'm not strong enough. Oh. Well, I mean, they can't go like, because like all the classics have kind of gone already, right? Like Auckland City's gone. You can't be called the United. Knights. Like, it's all, uh, I guess you could maybe Rangers. You go Rangers. What, Firstly, what's... no, Rangers is gone. That's West Coast Rangers. But also you just buy mm. some IP or some tiny grassroots club. That's not exactly hard. Auckland Albion. Yeah. Um. What's Bournemouth's uh, other name? The Cherry City. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it could yeah. be Tamaki. So, yeah, actually, Tamaki Makoto would be better. But um, now, Auckland Albion or something like that. Something that's not going to have a connection with any of the current existing 
clubs. So your springs and your cities and your nice Uniteds and your suburbs and all that kind well, of. Well, everyone's a Rovers, Rangers, City, and Auckland for some reason. Yeah. No, so no, yeah. Today. So do an, do an Albion or uh, something along those lines. Wanderers. Or something completely different. Just Auckland. Yeah, Wanderers. Why not? Wanderers. Wanderers is fun. Yeah, you might have noticed that there is a Wanderers team in the league already. I suspect that's probably. So there's more than one United. You can have more than one city. Just it's fine. Destroy them. Uh, okay, I think we've gone down this rabbit hole a bit already, so we could probably dial it back. Um, it, we've kind of talked about the, I guess, the negatives. We haven't talked about the money. Um, do we? Is this the reason why we've seen the Knicks lock down all these academy players? Uh, get them nice and early, or is it just a? Uh, no, or... absolutely. Even even Gilly and Domi basically said as much. I mean, they didn't outright say it, but absolutely, it's the reason. They this has been coming down the pipeline. They know they need to make some moves to protect the patch because demand for New Zealand players is about to go up, mm. and supply isn't changing. I was hoping Economics for a little with Dave. I was hoping for a little more discussion, but Dave's just kind of ruined that. I mean, I think the reality is it might backfire on the Phoenix as well, but they only need a couple of successes. You know, they've locked in more young kids than they would have otherwise. But if even one of them comes good, it's a worthwhile thing to have the other few on the books because it's not like you're paying them big bucks, right? So one of them coming good's more than worth it. Where do you think Ole Academy is going to figure into all of this? You think Declan's coming back out of the woodwork? No, Declan is not involved in any way, shape, or form ever again with Holy Academy. That woodwork is uh, about seven layers deep of conspiracy theories, I think, at a few bases on his Twitter feed. Does he have the badges to coach the Auckland Knights? Oh, please. God. <laughs> it could please. be someone like Jose, though. God. Or Scotty yeah. Hales. One of those, yeah. One of those guys has the badges, has the uh, oh, there's a bunch the local of knowledge. Up there now. Yeah, there's oh, really, lots, really lots good of coaches. Yeah, lots of really good coaches up there. We've got about eight who are fully qualified. I'd love to see Jose in the A League. I think that'd be a great shout. I think he's a great he's coach. A great coach Ramon. and a really good dude. Yeah, really great dude, and I'd love to see him succeed. I surely they'd be going with the more established coach. If you're going to start anything from scratch, you got to try and get maybe not for the women. Valid. I hear uh, Anthony Hudson's on the. He's on the market for a job again. He's got his. He's got his editing pen on his Wikipedia page. He's. Primed. Yeah, are you suggesting him for the woman or the men, Dale? Well, I was going to suggest Danny Hay, and I wasn't going to suggest him for, him for the women's team. So that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if I speak. I think we've uh, come to a, a screeching halt. Thanks, Dale. Um, but that is a way to kill a conversation. Yep. We were already getting off off the reservation, but I think we just shot off the side of a cliff. Um, just a reminder that uh, the Wahenix first game is Sunday, the 15th of October. So this Sunday, 3pm against Melbourne City uh, at Sky Stadium. Um, please get along. Uh, if nothing else, hopefully for a good day out and just watching some quality football because that's all we're after and a win. Um, otherwise, unless any of the my uh, erstwhile peers uh, feel like ending anything else we'll say goodbye thanks for listening see you at the football